So I issued a challenge in the month of August for us to start our days um, with this prayer. This is called the Meta Prayer or the Prayer of Loving Kindness. And um, if you didn't get one, there's still several up on the stage. You can take one home with you today. Um, and I included two versions of it. One, may my heart be open and filled with loving kindness. May I be free from suffering and fear. May I accept myself and others completely. May I be happy and at peace. And the traditional way of using the prayer is to start with may I, and then go to may you, and then may all beings everywhere. The second prayer, I'm gonna say may all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all beings everywhere be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May all beings everywhere never be parted from freedom's true joy. May all beings everywhere rest in equanimity, free from attachment and aversion. And those may seem like they're not that close in meaning, but I find that they absolutely are, and I just wanna talk about that for a minute. May I have happiness and the causes of happiness. Whew. And, and the second prayer is, may my heart be open and filled with loving kindness. Is there a clue that possibly the cause of happiness is to have an open heart and be filled with compassion or loving kindness? May I be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. The other prayer says, may I be free from suffering and fear. Fear is our number one, maybe our only cause of suffering because from fear comes ignorance, anger, enmity. All of those held in our hearts will make us suffer. May I never be parted from freedom's true joy. And the other prayer says, may I accept myself and others completely. Whew. That means accepting life as it comes. It's a radical way of doing things. Instead of complaining about what just happened and getting your dukes up for what's about to happen, right? May I accept myself. When I am defenseless, when I know that I have nothing to defend, not defenseless as in I have no defenses, it means I have nothing to defend. I'm me and I'm here and I'm supposed to be. And the proof that I'm supposed to be is the fact that I stand here before you, that I was created to have this human life, to be here. And may I accept that perfectly. And if I accept it in myself, I must accept that the same is true for you. You would not be standing in front of me if you weren't meant to be here. God doesn't go, oops, <laughs> didn't mean to make that guy. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. And so when we come to accept ourselves completely, then we can begin to accept others completely. And that gives us freedom and 
true joy is only in freedom. Everything else is a passing pleasure. True joy comes from freedom. And finally, may I rest in equanimity, free from attachment and aversion. The other prayer says, may I be happy and at peace. Well, may I be happy at peace. Here's how you do it. Free from attachment and aversion. You are at peace because you don't have a lot of, I wish I had this and I hate that this is what's showing up. If only. Darn it. Those are the things that keep us from our peace. Clinging to what is temporary. And guess what, y'all? Everything you can see is temporary. And so we suffer when we cling to the temporary. And free not only from attachment, but from aversion. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. I went through a period in my life um, several years ago um, where it seemed like Everything I clung to was just almost everything. I won't say that. That's silly to say that. But so many things that I clung to as important in my life, as things that helped define who I was and helped bring me comfort and sort of know how to do life were taken away systematically one by one. Um, my best friend died and my and musical partner of 20 years, we spoke every day, sometimes several times a day, died suddenly, no warning. He had a brain aneurysm and he lived on life support for six days and then he was gone. And so my whole way of approaching my music department at the church and a lot of my music outside the church was taken away from me my harmonizer, my lead guitar player, my person that I called when I needed to talk to someone. And then um, my husband was hospitalized for two weeks and almost died. He didn't die, thankfully. But boy, did that give me a feeling of my own mortality and his. And then my mom was diagnosed with dementia. No more calling mom and running things by her. And then my dad died terribly and in pain. And somewhere in there, yeah, before that happened, um, I had to leave a job that I had loved for 24 years. I wasn't fired, but circumstances were such that I felt I had no choice but to leave. And I grieved it. It was, I met my husband there. My daughter was born there. It was my life. It was my social life. It was my career. It was, it was how I knew how to do the world. And so that was taken away. And then um, less than a year later, my husband, who had said, well, just concentrate on your music then. You don't have to work. He lost his job. <laughs> and it was our business that we owned. <laughs> But our business partner said, I don't want you here anymore. And so we went into a year of court battles, not knowing what the result was going to be. So it was just like, can't go home to mommy and daddy's house. Can't call David. Can't. And you know what happened in that, in those, like that four year period? 
I learned more deeply than ever before that I could trust my higher power and that anything on this earth, no matter how wonderful it is, no matter how spiritual and true, my bonds with these people were spiritual and true, no matter how spiritual and true, their being on this earth was proof that their existence here was temporary. I had to learn to cling only to what does not change. And the only thing I know of that does not change is spirit. That one love present before and after and all the way in between, alpha and omega. And it was good. It was hard. Wouldn't want to go through it again. But it taught me so much. And this is how one gets to happiness. And I'm going to give you a quote that will help you in life. When stuff starts to go wrong. This is from Peter Russell in his book, Letting Go of Nothing. Pause. Step back. And then pose the question with an open, curious attitude. Could there, just possibly, be another way of seeing this? Doesn't mean you have to be happy with it. But could it be that there is another way of seeing this? Many of the things that were taken away were restored in different guises. Some of them better than before. Some of them have never been replaced or restored. And yet, I understand, as the poem said earlier, that was so beautiful, and I had it. And now I have the gratitude for it. And now I will get something new. It won't be the same. It won't feel the same. But how important is that? What's important is that I pay attention, keep my heart open, and recognize it when it gets here so I don't miss it by looking back. That is the teaching of this prayer. Don't miss the next song in his body, as she said. To have an aversion to something, we know what attachment means. We want it. We want it. We will actually stake our happiness on it. If I don't get this job, if this person doesn't love me back, if I don't get this house, if my loved one gets taken away, I won't be okay. Those are attachments. And you know, we don't let go easily. <laughs> we don't let go easily. And so what we must do is to learn to hold on more lightly so that when it's time to let go, we can. And that is about recognizing the next good in its body. It is about being open to a new way of seeing. To have an aversion to something means to avoid it, to dismiss it, to devalue it, maybe to be disgusted by it, to hate it. And guess what? Stuff like that always shows up in life. Anybody have a life without anything that you feel an aversion to? I bet you felt some aversion in traffic on the way here today. When the guy's in the express lane going 60 miles an hour, and it's a 75 mile an hour speed limit, I do not understand this. 
all I can do is try to keep my mind open enough to bless him and get off at the next exit. <laughs> so resistance is futile. <laughs> You've heard that before. Resistance is futile. And it is. When things show up, when we resist them, we create angst. We create negative energy. The thing itself isn't that negative. It, it is what we show up to it with. And so when we learn not to have an aversion to go, that would not be my preference, but I'm going to open my attitude and use my curiosity and see if there might be another way of seeing this. So, may you be free from suffering, may I be free from suffering. Is that even possible? I think what we need to do is differentiate between pain and suffering. Because we have pain in life. There's no way that there isn't pain in life. But we get to choose, to a certain extent at least, how much we suffer from that pain. So pain, hunger, to say that you wouldn't have suffering in life if you only just were spiritual enough. If you are hungry in your physical body, that is pain, and it will lead to suffering. If you are thirsty, if you live without any feeling of safety in your world, in your private world or in the world in which you're living, if you are in physical pain, if you are in grief, grief hurts, y'all, grief if you are in poverty, like true poverty, the poverty that comes from the injustice of life, that is all real pain. And then from there, we, we get to decide how much we suffer from that pain. And then the other thing we sometimes think of as happiness is really pleasure. And what is pleasure? That feeling of being high, that feeling of being sated, or that feeling of eating delicious things the moment before you're completely sated. Being engaged in any kind of addiction, any kind. And pleasure is, by its nature, temporary. It's elusive. And often it is a trap because we chase pleasure thinking it will bring us happiness. And pleasure and happiness are not the same thing. Sometimes in happiness, we receive pleasure. But if we chase the pleasure hoping that happiness will be at the end of that, I would say most of the time we're going to miss the mark. So... To escape temporary pain, a reality, we sometimes seek pleasure, which does not bring us to actual happiness. And so to not escape, not be attached or averted, to go, here it is. Here it is. I'm strong. I have a, power, a higher power. What is this here to teach me? How can I move through it? Not how can I get around it or how can I make myself go to sleep? so I don't feel it or think about it anymore. Because you're always gonna wake up. And when you try to get around it, there it is around the next corner, maybe in a different body, maybe in the same one. And so to stand and say, here it is. How do I walk through it? And 
receive the good that's on the other side. And not just on the other side, the good that is right there in the middle of it. Have you ever been in the worst grief that you have ever felt and been broken open so completely fully that when something joyful happened, you felt it in a way you had never felt joy before? I don't know if you have. I've had that experience many, many, many times. Because when we are closed off to pain, we are also closed off to pleasure. When we are closed off to the things that we think will make us suffer, we are closed off to the things that might help contribute to our happiness. We can't, we're not good at building selectively permeable walls. <laughs> you either have a wall or you take the wall down. And so the wall keeps out everything. Addictions keep out everything. Hiding and escaping keeps out all of it. It doesn't make it go away, it just keeps it out. So anytime you want to sneak back over the wall, there it still is. But walking through it. So may I have happiness and the causes of happiness. What are the causes of happiness? I've been thinking about this all week. I've been reading about it. I've been writing about it. And I'm sure I've missed a lot, but here are some things that came to me. A cause of happiness is integrity. And take integrity back to the root word, integration. All of it. Making, not going this, not this, not that, not this, I want this, and clinging to that. That's not, into, that's not an integrated person, right? So allowing all of it, but then sticking to your values so that as you move forward with your values in place, everything that you do and think and say and participate in is in accordance with one's values. That is integrity. That is being truly integrated. And that brings happiness. The Dalai Lama said, um, I didn't write this down, but uh, it's a quote I've known for a long time. I'm going to say it. True happiness is when what you believe and what you do match. All suffering is the gap in between. I believe we are all one, but I hate this guy. <laughs> right? There's where the suffering is. I believe that my higher power is good and that I am here for a purpose. But please, 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 please don't let that happen because I won't be okay if that happens. And I'm not saying don't be human. I'm, those thoughts will come. I love Pema Chodron, great Buddhist teacher, says thoughts happen to us. We don't go, I think I'm going to think this thought about this thing. Thoughts happen before we even... Before we can even react. But we get to decide what we do with them. Do we say, oh, that was a thought. It has nothing to do with truth. What is my truth? Do we take the thought in and go, hey, you want to come in and sit down and have a cup of tea? <laughs> or a drink? Let's have a margarita. Let's sit with each other all evening long. You can spend the night if you want to. <laughs> Woo! And tomorrow morning, there you still are. Okay? We get to decide how much time do we spend on those thoughts? How much um, truth do we give to them? How, do we, how much do we believe them? How do we treat them? 
right? We get to decide that. So when our beliefs and actions match, that is it, it is integrity. When we are loving, when we are creative, when the thought comes and we go, does this have something to teach me? And if so, let me learn it. And if not, I'll let me release it. May I have happiness and the causes of happiness, which is to not resist, but release. Big difference between resistance and release. The causes of happiness are when we feel generous. Are you not happiest when you feel generous, when you feel open-hearted, when you feel loving toward everybody until the guy cuts you off in traffic and then you lose it? <laughs> I use traffic because I may, there's a long commute here when I come to the church. And I get to learn that lesson over and over and over again. I get to watch my thoughts. I can't always keep the thought from creeping in, but I can decide what I do with the thought. You blessed child of God, may you be safe on your way. That's often how it happens. That's often how it happens. We get to decide what makes us happy, peace makes us happy. We've already said, what is peace? Not being too attached to one thing or the other, but allowing life to be as it is. Connection brings true happiness. The compassion we have for other people, the empathy, the ability to reach out, the ability to allow another to reach out to us, connectedness. And that is what brings security, knowing what our purpose is, not each little, you know, your security isn't all the locks you have, right? The lock of your job and the lock of um, whether the country you live in is peaceful or not, or the lock of your primary relationships. All of those are ways that we try to feel secure when we surround ourselves by those things. But our true security has to come from what cannot be changed. And all of the things that we can put a lock on can be changed. And so we get our safety from that place. Happiness is when we use our energy to create rather than to destroy. Happiness is vitality. Happiness is presence. Not living in the future and trying to figure out what that's going to be. Because what is living in the future? We're always either going, I hope this happens. So we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed if it doesn't. Or we're thinking, please, please don't let this happen. Or I just know this is what's going to happen. That's about the opposite of happiness. And why do we dwell in the past? I wish I would have done that differently. Well, you didn't. Do it differently. You did it like you did it. What can you learn? Where do you go from here? So all happiness is in the present. It is in the moment right now. And so what are the causes of suffering? Well, fear is a cause of suffering. And yes, we have physical fear. If a tiger is chasing you, you are right to have fear. That is God-given fear put into you so that you can maybe stay safe from tigers, which doesn't mean to outrun the tiger, but to outrun the slowest guy that you pass. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really bad joke. Fear happens. Fear happens. It does. 
But how often in your life today, oh my goodness, how often in my life today does my, heart, my body, my heart, my adrenaline, my cortisol think that I'm being chased by a tiger when really I'm just worrying about something that hasn't happened yet? I don't believe ancient man had anxiety in the way that we have anxiety. If the tiger's chasing you, you run. If the tiger's not chasing you, get down to business. What's here before me? What's mine to do today? But we so often in today's day and age, and we're inundated by images and ideas and people and values that are not like our, we're inundated constantly. And we can allow ourselves to feel, to put our bodies through feeling like we are actually being chased by a tiger when we are almost never in the United States of America ever chased by a tiger. Probably never will be. And yet we do that. We cause our own suffering by allowing ourselves to live in, in anxiety, anger, anger. That is a cause of suffering, right? Anger means I'm resisting what is happening. Ram Dass said, all anger is anger at God. Think about that for a minute. I don't like how this is happening. That's why I'm angry. So basically what I'm saying is, if I were God, I'd have done it differently. <laughs> Ang all anger is anger at God. What if you're able to <sighs> say, oh, this anger is getting me nowhere to let it go, to, to at least hold it lightly, to allow yourself an alternative, possibly an open, curious attitude and another way of seeing it, another way of seeing it. Causes of suffering, delusion and denial, choosing at least subconsciously to see things other than as they are. And man, I've been good at denial in my life. That's not happening. I'm just going to pretend that's not happening. I'm going to keep going. Man, we are all in denial. On this planet, we're in denial that we're about to knock ourselves off the planet. Not kill the planet, but knock ourselves right off of it. And the political pundits are blah, 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 blah. And we're like, I'm driving a hybrid. Whatever. We are so good at denial. And I do drive a hybrid, by the way. Because <sighs> sometimes all you can do is do all you can and then let go of it. And that is happiness. Happiness isn't solving the problems, especially the problems that are beyond our ability as individuals to solve. Happiness is looking at what can I do that fits with my values and then doing that. That's happiness. That's getting ourselves out of delusion and denial. Greed is a cause of suffering. Greed means what I have is not enough, I need more. And what I know about greed is that there is no such thing as enough. There is no such thing as enough. How many billionaires do you know that went, okay, that's enough. I'm going to stop right now and let everybody else have some. As a matter of fact, it seems like the more people have, the more jealously they guard it, the more it feels like you have to have more. I read somewhere that once you have, I think it is like $15 million, once you have $15 million, there is nothing that having 16 million or 16 billion would change your life. 
If you were going to do every extravagant thing in the world, if you had that much, you could do all of that. And there's no way that your life will be substantively changed materially by having more than that. And yet, more than that is what everybody seems to want. Isn't that interesting? And so, I don't have $16 million. But if I have $16, maybe I can say, I have $16 right now. Therefore, that must be what I'm supposed to have at this moment. How can I put it to work? How can I be creative with it? How can I be true to myself with it? That's the only enough there ever is, whether it's 16 or 16,000 or 16 million or 16 godzillion. It doesn't matter. So that greed, whew, cause of suffering, nursing our wounds. Okay, we are wounded. I will not tell you that you are not wounded. I know somebody in your life wounded you, intentionally or not. Most of us carry many, many scars. And what we do with that is up to us. We can rest in our wounds and try to gather as much sympathy as possible for as long as possible, which people kind of tend to run out of patience after a while. Or we can say, yes, that was my wound. And here's what I did. And here's how I have risen. And here is the scar. And by the way, I'm proud of that scar. I don't know how I could have gotten here if that wound hadn't happened. And that scar is proof that I made it through. I love my scars. Addiction, supremacy. Any moment that we feel like we're better than somebody else, it may give us a moment of pleasure, but it will lead to suffering because it is a lie. Well, I may be bad, but at least I'm not as bad as him. Yeah, no. You may not be bad, and he may not be bad either. In the scheme of things, you're both here. That's proof you're supposed to be here. Keep doing the best you can, because what he's doing is none of your business. Right? So any moment of supremacy, and we hate white supremacy, and yet how often do we practice supremacy in our lives? We're watching the news, or we're watching the debate, or we're reading the paper, or we're watching how our neighbors do their yard, or whatever. Every moment of supremacy is us leading ourselves to suffering. So here are some things that I wrote down as lasting versus temporary, because the lasting things are the things that it's safe to welcome in and hold, but hold however we want to. The temporary things are the things we have to hold lightly. Happiness, joy, or suffering and anxiety. So happiness is being spirit-led. Not getting rid of your ego, but allowing spirit to be in the driver's seat. Suffering is being ego-led, is listening to your ego that will never have enough. Happiness is knowing that your life has meaning and you have a higher purpose, and your only job is to find it and do it. Suffering is being self-serving. What's in it for me? Again, there'll never be enough. Happiness is being connected to something that feels whole. Suffering is feeling separate and being alone. Even if that separate means you're better, you're still alone. 
Happiness is contentment. Suffering is addiction, needing more and more, grasping, trying to get mine. Happiness is being present. Suffering is regret for the past or lamenting the past or scheming for the future, being present. Happiness is rolling with what happens, getting to, into acceptance about it, and then saying, what's next? Misery is resisting. Happiness is compassion. How can I look at this with love in my heart? This person, this situation, this whatever. Suffering is anger, blame, finding somebody to blame. Lasting happiness is about choice. It's about accountability because that is power. When I make a choice and I hold myself accountable to the choice that I've made, then I am powerful in this world. I have God energy moving through me. And when I am the victim and I want to blame, find out who did it, get on to them, either just blame them so I could stay here in my victimhood or blame them and track them down. <laughs> Either one of those is about force, not power. Force is you trying to make something do something it doesn't want to do, and it's never going to be permanent. But power means using spirit to move through something and truly affect change in it. Lasting happiness is many paths, room for all. You get to have your opinions, I get to have mine. Suffering is my way or the highway. Happiness is self-knowing, self-affirming. I know myself, I believe I am worthy of love. Not perfect, not supreme, not better than anybody, but as worthy as anyone. Suffering is temporary and comparison, looking for outer validation. Well, he thinks I'm okay, so I must be okay today. Ooh, she looked at me wrong. What's wrong with me today? Being self-referenced brings happiness. Um, maturity is happiness. Maturity means looking at it from the highest place. Um, suffering is being childish, and that's really about blaming. They did it, they did it, they did it. I can't do anything about it. When you were a child, that may have been true, but it is not true today. Happiness is giving, because when we are giving, we are understanding that we have enough to give, that we are in abundance, that no amount of giving is going to leave us poor. And unhappiness is taking, not receiving. Receiving is a different thing, but taking. I better get mine before it's all gone, right? Taking, that comes from a vision of lack, that there's not enough in the world, and if I don't get mine quick, I'll do without, and someone else will have it. Happiness is integrity. Belief matches action. Corruption is the opposite of that. That's whatever works in this moment to get me by, regardless of the consequences. Lasting happiness is open-hearted love. And suffering is constant suspicion, looking for alternative motives, isolating ourselves. And finally, happiness is creativity. And I don't mean 
painting or singing necessarily. We're all creating our lives in every moment. Are we creating them with love or are we kneading them out <laughs> with little selfish chits of, I can prove that I deserve this or whatever. And ultimately it is destructive. So I'm gonna leave you with a quote by Thich Nhat Hanh. Nirvana is available in the here and now. It is not a place to go when we pass away. It is available to all of us when we are alive. The word nirvana was used by peasant farmers in India to describe the cooling down of the ashes after the fire is out. The Buddha used nirvana to describe the cooling of the fire of afflictions, the cooling of anger, fear, anxiety, and so on. With mindfulness, concentration, and insight, each one of us can refresh our spirits, cool our afflictions, and touch nirvana in the very here and now. Thank you. So I talked a long time, go figure. So let's just make this a short, an arrow meditation. If we will just breathe in to all of the good that is available to us in this moment. And that means all of the good, the wholeness of God, not little pieces. The wholeness of love is available to every one of us at every moment. Breathe in that possibility. See if you can make a space for it as you breathe. And as you breathe, accept and hear these words. May your heart be open and filled with loving kindness. Breathe. May you be free from suffering and fear. Breathe. May each of you accept yourselves completely. Here I am, as I am. It's enough. And may each of you be able then, after, only after being in that place for a moment, can we then extend that to another. <sighs> may I accept others completely. May you accept the world as it comes knowing that if it was supposed to be other, it would be other. May you open up your heart enough to believe that it could be different from how you are currently seeing it. May you be happy because you have embraced the causes of happiness. May you be at peace because you have decided 
that although pain is inevitable, suffering is not. May you hold yourself and others and this world, this beautiful, this wonderful, this healing day, lightly, knowing that there is a power that is love and that you are one with that power. May that be the thought that you wake up with to claim your blessing, to carry with you throughout the day to alleviate your suffering and to take with you as you go to sleep at night. And so it is. Amen.